Morning, Alexis. How are you? I'm good. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Are you driving? I'm driving. Uh, yeah, Kelly's going up over the, uh, she's actually coming up and I think she's on, I uh, hopefully she's over the grapevine by now. So good morning, Hampson. I'm bringing you up. Hang on one second. Yeah. So she may have a little bit of connectivity issues as well, but we'll get there. So how's your drive going so far? I'm literally just leaving San Diego and I just picked up like $60 worth of bread from my favorite bakery. So I'm feeling pretty good. Bread. So what it was a special bread or what? There's this place called Bread and Sea in San Diego. Oh, wonderful. It just makes the best sourdough. And so I mm. buy it and freeze it, you know. But then I was like, oh, I need a Danish. Oh, I need like eight other things. And <laughs> that sounds so good. I love boudines. Uh, and so when I go see my daughter or my son uh, in Vacaville, I'll go get some, some boudines. I love, I love really good sourdough. It's so good. Oh, is that Thomas Keller boudine? Uh, maybe I just know it as boudines. I think, I think it is, but it's so good. It's like, it's, yeah, it's like, you can't get sourdough just anywhere. You have is to, it, yeah. It looks kind of braided, right? Like, um, no, it's just, it's just a loaf of sourdough. I mean, they make oh. lots of different things. I think they probably made, make some of it braided, but for the most part, it's just really good sourdough. So boudine, the restaurant, which I think is what. Mm -hmm. is Thomas, at least when I'm talking about the one they have in Vegas and others is Thomas Keller's restaurant. It is one of my all-time faves Ooh. for the sourdough. And I'm sure it's, oh my God. Yeah. That this sounds really good. Up, up at that level. Yeah. 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 It's like, I mean, it's like you can, I remember one time my husband were look, and I were looking for houses and we went by Bodine's and got a, a loaf of bread. And we were like driving around for like four hours or something. We're just sitting there eating the sourdough bread. I mean, it was just, per it was so wonderful. You can just sit there and eat a whole loaf of it. Oh, so yummy. better. Yeah. No, it really is. Especially when it's, when it's fresh baked. Oh my so God. So delicious. How are you ta doing, uh, Tamson? Everything going well for you? Hi, Darius. I'm good. Darius. How are you? Good morning. It's Darius, right? Darius. Darius, yeah. I know it's like Tamara, Tamara, Tamara. I'll answer to any of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, there's there's a lot of Dariuses around. Darius Rucker for the Blowfish, a bunch of football players, and so, you know. Yeah. It's all it's all close. It's all good, right? I mean, it's, That's, it's yeah, a reasonable. Exactly. <laughs> it's a reasonable pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Nice to have you here today. Good to see you guys again. Hi, Kelly. How are you doing? Good morning, everyone. Oh, you sound really clear as a bell. Did you get over the grapevine? Yes, I'm um, somewhere somewhere in the valley here. I don't know. I, I haven't seen it. I think I'm just outside of Bakersfield. That's what I think where I am. Oh, okay. Perfect. Oh, perfect. And you're, you should be fine. Okay. Well, it is 930. I know we're going to have some other folks that are going to probably start popping in here. Everybody's, it's a Saturday morning and I really appreciate everybody taking time out of their weekend to be here because, you know, this is an investment in ourselves and, and also in the others in the room, you know, we need to have a forum where we can really talk about leadership. And that's what our, what our focus and, and our uh, goal was in creating this forum. And so just want to welcome everybody here to the Lead Learning to Lead Clubhouse. And we meet every Saturday morning at 930 Pacific Standard Time. And I'm Tamara White, and I'm here with Kelly White. We are your hosts for this uh, clubhouse. And we also have our moderator, Alexis Stern, and I'm sure our second moderator, Chuck Mounds, will be joining here shortly. And um, so really, you know, this is a this is a forum that we created, you know, to talk about everything leadership, you know, the challenges, achievements between, you know, we really like encourage people to really out, you know, challenges they're experiencing currently or to uh, share tips with others that may help them and with something they are dealing with. So please feel free to be engaged and, and share your, your insights and your experiences as a leader. So um, a couple little housekeeping items is uh, we want to welcome those in the listening lounge as well as those on the stage. And we also encourage you to uh, join our, um, our clubhouse. A second, I'm inviting Chuck up. Okay. Is uh, to, to, to uh, 
follow the follow the clubhouse and then also follow other others in the room because this is a way of really expanding your network and if you really like this content share the room with others you can just go down there and do the the little um, arrow down there at the bottom and you can just share it with others that follow you in the clubhouse um, and invite them in to join our conversations there's a couple ways to communicate with us we have the chat feature here so feel free to chat uh in the back uh in the back channel and our moderators keep an eye on that for us so we can bring things forward if you would like to share anything and then also take advantage of our replays we post our replays both on linkedin as well as on our substack website so also encourage you to subscribe to our substack website where you can access all the content the replays and then also we will post resources out there as well like books or articles or anything that anyone may be sharing on these um, clubhouse discussions so again thank you for being here today um, I'm gonna go ahead and because uh, Kelly our one of our our host our co-host here is driving um, let's go ahead and open it up to uh, the word of the week so let's start with Alexis what's your word of the week uh, sorry, I'm I'm slow to the the microphone button. Um, I think my word of the week is hopeful. <laughs> You're gonna hear my uh, my navigation routing me, but um, my dog uh, was diagnosed with cancer or had a cancerous tumor a few months ago or a month ago, and it's been a whirlwind of a month. And she just had her treatment, and it went great. And I'm hopeful that this is it for her, and I'm hopeful about some other things in life. And it's been an exciting week. Well, I'm glad to hear that your dog is doing well, and that certainly is a, a great foundation for the hope that you're that you're sharing today. I'm really happy for you. All right. Uh, how about you, Tamson? I will go with grounded. I feel pretty settled in what I'm doing at work um, and also kind of reflective on the extent of the devastation in Florida. I have some colleagues that live in South Florida, and I know at least one lost his home, so I'm also reflecting on that. Well, yeah, it's it's great to hear. Yeah, you know, it's always really great to be grounded and feel like you know you're you're in a place where you can really focus and and do your very best. But also, really sorry to hear that you have some folks down there in Florida. Our hearts certainly go out to all of those folks down there that are suffering and struggling, and um, hope everything works out for them. Darius. Yeah, say for me, um, thankful and similar Florida thing. Uh, most of my teams are in Florida, and, and luckily everybody on my teams got it, got through without any. Everybody personally is fine. Um, there's a little bit of water damage, but you know it could have been a lot worse. And I just, you know, my heart goes out to everybody in Fort Myers who got hit really hard. Um, but yeah, that was that that was the week. I was really stressed, you know, on when. Wednesday night, you know, knowing the storm was coming in with my team. And so I was just really glad Thursday morning when I checked on everybody that they're all fine. Yeah, that's, uh, it's really great that to hear you as a, as a leader, really, you know, just, you know, that the empathy that you have for them and that, you know, again, the support that, you know, that we all, we all want to extend to everyone over there that are going through that hard time. And I'm glad to hear your team's doing well. Chuck. Um, I would say relieved. Um, there's a couple of things going on, you know, personally this week and, um, my dad came up to visit and then we had to get him, at, um, off to, um, uh, traveling, um, uh, to the airport for his first trip to Europe. And so that went off well. Um, but yeah, some other things going on and, um, but just, you know, overall everything worked out well and just sort of relieved. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, glad to hear your dad got safe on his trip and going to Europe. How exciting is that? Uh, and relief is a is a wonderful word. Yeah. Again, really, uh, really parallels with what we're talking about. Also, though, what's going on in Florida. And Gary, how about you? Uh, for me, I think it's travel. I was back to travel this week. Um, probably it's only the second time since the end of the COVID that I've actually got to travel with work. So. It was fun. Oh, wonderful. Travel's always a good thing, huh? I'm, I'm a little jealous. I know Kelly's getting ready to take off too, which she'll probably share here. So safe travels to you. Uh, enjoy yourself and be like, as, as I said, safe. Kelly. Hello. I love every, everybody's word of the week. Um, I actually was really debating which ones to use. I have a lot of good options. It's, it was a great week. Um, I'm going to go with accomplished because as I've referenced the last few weeks, I've been working 
pretty big projects and it's been a lot, a lot of work, a lot of teamwork, a lot of collaboration. And this week we, we had a really great success of getting a really big deliverable over the finish line, huge accomplishment, big kind of contribution of teamwork. Teamwork was my second option too. Um, as well as going out on a really high note, I'm going out on a vacation for three weeks, longest vacation I've taken in a long time and going out on a very high note and equally going out with confidence that I have an amazing team that's going to keep everything going while I'm out. And that's the, the teamwork aspect as well. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly has been doing a lot of very, very heavy lifting. Uh, and, and I'm really happy to hear that you're feeling, you know, accomplished and you're ready to exhale and enjoy that three-week vacation that's so well-deserved. I just, I just um, want to I say was, I, I'm, I'm really impressed yeah. from a leadership standpoint. I mean, I think that's a key thing. Kelly actually taking some time for herself. It models Isn't well it for true? our teams that it is possible and you can do it. Because I know, Kelly, I, I'm personally impressed because I've always like, I got to take two weeks. I can't do it. Things, you know, and, and, and it's so important for longevity in a career to take those breaks and reflect and do that. So great modeling and congrats. Good, good call. Well, thank you. Now we can spend a whole separate session talking about the value of taking time, both in modeling behavior for yourself as a leader to recharge. And I'll share that when I get back. And then also equally seeing how my team leans in and is excited to be able to have the opportunity to lean in a different way when I step out. So again, it's that kind of win-win on both sides. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Doris. I agree with you. You know, we have to give ourselves permission as, as leaders to to, to step away. And, and again, Kelly, to your point, really empower our teams to step up and, and show us what they can do. And Mark, it's so wonderful to see you back. What's your word of the week? Um, excited. Uh, a few weeks ago, I started a new role in the company. And so I am still in the honeymoon period, but uh, every week, every day has been truly, I guess maybe re-energizing is a better word. Oh, fantastic. And like I say, we're excited to have you back. We missed you and we always love your insights. Uh, and congratulations on the new position. We wish you well and looking forward to hearing uh, about your insights and what you could bring to this group as well. So congratulations on Thank that. Thank you. All right, Kelly, are you in a good space where you want to take over? Yes, except that you didn't share your word of the week. <laughs> I was trying to kind of get around that. Um, I, I would say my word of the week is, um, I'm going to say like accomplished. I just feel like I've accomplished a lot. Um, I've, I've been really tired the last couple of weeks and I just feel like I'm kind of getting my stride back and, and getting, th getting things back on track. So I would say that it, that's the word I would choose. Wonderful. Well, thank you as always. Like I said, I, I, this is actually one of my favorite parts of these sessions and always a great reminder to really practice that self-awareness, practice that checking in. And as I'm in route, if for some reason my reception breaks up, just holler and hopefully the, the signal will stay strong. But today we're going to jump into and continue our conversation on executive presence. And I've really enjoyed really thinking about this and, and really I intentionally paying attention to my day-to-day, -day, how I'm showing up, how other leaders are showing up around me. And so I'm excited to continue the conversation today. So we've really spent the last couple of weeks, both the first week, um, and and Tamara, if you wouldn't mind, I think there's just a background noise. Um, but, uh, you know, as we think about where we started, we started the conversation on just defining expectations and what we think of and stereotypes and baggage and all the things that come to mind when we think of a word like executive presence. And then we spent time really going into the three kind of dimensions that we defined of executive presence. And those are appearance, communication, and gravitas. And it's really interesting because all of these have different weighting and appearance actually had the smallest weighting. And that was a very you know, interesting conversation because there's a lot that has to just feed into, to, you know, snap judgments of what has to go into appearance. But again, understanding what's within our control and navigating what we know is might be happening as we think about those snap judgments. Communication was a huge one for us as we really spent time talking about that as well, where we talk about how we communicate. And as I always think about being even in these forums and practicing communication, how we show up, what does it mean to show up with executive presence? And how do we hone that skill? Because it really comes down to practice. These things don't happen overnight. It's about continuing to invest in ourselves 
especially as we continue to grow and seek new levels and new goals and new accomplishments in our career. So this week is really about gravitas, which I feel like really kind of brings all of this together. Gravitas is really all of the aspects of how you show up in a room, how you speak, the presence that you have, what is the reputation that you carry, what is left behind when you're no longer in the room. And so I'm really interested to not only, you know, introduce some of these concepts to everyone and, and Tamara's pulled some great research and examples for us to discuss this week, but also really also hear from the room. What is it that you think about when we say something like gravitas? You know, how does that show up around you? How do you identify that? And what does that mean for how it's going to show up for you? So I'm going to keep going, assuming my signal is strong. And if it's not, holler. But I loved this, this data around gravitas, which we talked about week over week is, you know, how we think about some studies that ground, what are the attributes of something like gravitas? And I really loved the list that came together based on really polling senior executives that were asked to define gravitas. They really looked at it across a few different vectors. And, and these are kind of, think about them in order of importance as far as ranking. So the first one being confidence, and this can be really coined as grace under fire. How do you deal in moments of pressure, of challenge, of crisis? How do you show up? The second one is decisiveness. It can also be showing your teeth, which is an interesting one. We'll dig into that. The third one is integrity, speaking the truth. And this is important. We're going to talk about speaking the truth. Also, no matter who it is or how senior that person might be, having conviction to, to speak your truth. The fourth is emotional intelligence. We talk a lot about this. I know in my world, I talk a lot about EQ. The fifth one is reputation. And this is about standing up pedigree. You know, who are you? What do you stand for? And the last will be vision and charisma. And I think often, I know for myself, when I thought about gravitas, charisma is one of the first things that comes to mind. What is it that, how do you carry yourself? The person that compels you to feel a certain way in a room when they stand on the stage and they're sharing a vision or a message, how do they actually come through and deliver that message? So before I continue, I would love to know first immediate reactions from anything, anything that stood out to you when you think about gravitas or even just this list, are there things that, that spark something for you that you hadn't considered? Or is there something maybe missing from this list that you really think of when you, when you consider the word gravitas? I think of absence of ego, and maybe that goes under emotional intelligence, but I'm just thinking about people who I think exhibit gravitas and, and are phenomenal leaders. And it's, there, there isn't an ego getting in the way. Um, yeah. I think that's a great point, Alexis, because I do think there is something to be said for, you know, both in the list that we just went through, considering ego, putting your ego aside, and also kind of, again, how you're showing up. And even if I go back to the being decisive and showing your teeth, doing it in such a way that isn't ego driven, it's informed, but also those points in time where you need to just rally a team and make a decision and move forward. Any other thoughts on Gravitas? What stood out? you know, what sparks for you or, or what you consider as a key attribute when you consider a gravitas. Can I say something else? Always, sorry, please I love this do. Topic. <laughs> I wonder about where vulnerability fits in. I think, I know you talked about being transparent and being honest and emotional intelligence. And I think an appropriate level of vulnerability is like, so really commands uh, respect and buy-in. Yeah, absolutely agree. Another another really good point. And again, it's it's all these different factors that, as we see with any of these these aspects of a, a executive presence, there's no one size fits all. And again, if I go back to and, I, and again, great points, Alexis, and and I know folks from the chat as well, if you want to share your thoughts in there, please use the chat. We'll be looking at that as well. But gravitas, like, like executive presence, it can mean so many different things. And what it really comes down to, again, going back to a lot of what we talk about here is self-awareness and being intentional and being authentic as a leader. So it means understanding you know, what these tools are, what this means, how do you define it, 
collectively? And then how do you define it for yourself? And how does it show up and how do you apply it? And so when we go through this now, I'm going to start to unpack a little bit of what these things actually mean. What do these concepts mean? So we can start to talk about how do you apply it and how do you start to hone your own gravitas as a leader and to carry that executive presence. And the first one we'll dig into, and again, I, I think it's one of the ones that comes through very clearly as well when we name it, which is this idea of confidence and grace under fire, right? This idea of, of how do you show up in a crisis? And I like to use this term, and I talk about it with my team, which is whenever you're doing something new or whenever you're working on a challenge, you know, it's, it's human nature to fight change, to resist change. We talk about that, you know, our brain is programmed to actually be resistant to change. And so when you're, when you're pushing through or you're doing something very hard or you're dealing with a challenging situation, it is very natural to go back to what is known, to go back to what is comfortable, to operate within a zone of what we know. And so when we're trying to do something new or again, we're dealing with a challenge, it's really checking what are those habits? What are those norms that we might be pushing up against? And, and again, I think in crisis, that's when it always will show up as clearly as possible so we can start to see it. So really understanding, you know, how do you as a leader show up in a moment of, of challenge, in a moment of crisis? And I love this quote that, that Tamara included from Eleanor Roosevelt, which is, we don't know how strong we are until we are in hot water. And how do we show up, right? How do we show up for ourselves? What is our reputation in a moment of crisis? Do people come to us? Do they have confidence in us? Do they know that we'll be able to handle the situation? Do our teams feel supported in those moments? Are we helping to get them through that challenge as well equally? So we have to understand that things are going to happen. Mistakes are going to happen. Crisis is going to happen. You know, we talk a lot about failures, right? It's not always going to go right. So how do we start to prepare? How are we going to handle any catastrophe or any challenge with grace? How do we demonstrate an element of calm, of certainty, of confidence? How do we speak, act with clarity? How do we make sure that our confidence looks and per is perceived and is shown as really cannot be shaken? And it's something that will ultimately inspire the confidence of yourself, you know, as you think about how you show up and what you can be proud of, but also what others can expect from you and how they can rely on you, which I think is so critical as you think about being a leader being a leader for others, but they come to you and they know that they can rely on you no matter what is going on. And we talked about the very real physical situation of a, a, an actual disaster that's happening in Florida with a hurricane and Darius hit on it and Tamsin hit on it. I equally had team members that are located in Florida and how do you show up for them in a moment where they need confidence, they need to have a center of gravity and a single point that they can focus on and know they're gonna get through it no matter what happens. So these are the aspects that come up both in moments of very real crisis where, again, we're talking about a natural disaster or something might be happening where there's something we have to show up in a, in a very physical environment to protect and support each other. Or it can be just with what we're doing on a project or something that might be more intellectual or project driven. And it's about ultimately building and defining and establishing trust and loyalty across our teams. So I said a lot there, I wanna pause. Anything to add or things that stand out as you think about this idea of confidence and grace under fire? Yeah, there's, uh, Kelly, you've, you've said a lot of great things that resonated with me. Um, one, of the, one of the ways that I thought about gravitas, you know, uh, bringing it back to that, I, I, that list that you um, mentioned at, at the beginning, wow, like that's a great list to describe because I have a hard time describing you know, in very concrete terms, what it is, but in hearing that list and hearing what you just said, you know, the person who has presence, executive presence, gravitas, if you will, knows what to provide in that moment, right? You know, there are some things where, you know, that person needs to be the listener or somebody that needs to be, make a decision, right? Or somebody that needs to provide that empathy and that, that leader, that is stepping into the room uh, may not be the one who's speaking, but may be the one who's asking the questions, right? And so there's a level of balance with all of those qualities that you described of that person with gravitas and, and that person who's, you know, wielding that skill set well knows which ones to kind of push a little bit harder on in the moment, which ones to kind of back off on that moment. And, and it's, it's that skill set that helps drive the group forward. And, and when that's done with consistency, 
it's that subtleness in leadership that really, really starts to see um, amplified in the work of people because they're more confident maybe, or they're more self-assured about what they need to get done in the middle of this crisis um, because they know that there's, you know, either that leader or leaders there um, that can provide what's necessary at that time. And how much of this, you know, like to, to get to that place, where you are effectively able to manage these kinds of situations, how much of the gravitas has already been built? You've already established yourself as a leader that creates a certain type of culture where you can either ask questions or, you know, deliver solutions or whatever. And, and that piece has to be pretty well established too. Yeah, I think that those are one of those things um, where it's an ongoing education or on as a part of your management journey, if you will, your leadership journey. And because somebody one day described, oh yeah, Mark's got gravitas, you know, uh, we, we really need him, um, you know, for this project. He, you know, he can kind of pull all these different teams together. And that was like the first time I was like, what? Me? Nah, really? And, um, and so I was really humbled, shocked and humbled by that. And and now that I'm trying to deconstruct that, I, a lot of it is okay. Well, okay, what are what are those features, right? And that's where I love Kelly's list and and Alexis, what you what you also suggested. And I think it's just this. It's it's almost kind of like uh, sorry, I, I I'm a runner, so everything I do kind of somehow comes back to running. Everybody knows how to walk. Everybody knows how to run. But do you know how to run a marathon? Because running a marathon is different than running a half marathon too. So, you know, you kind of take these skills and when you apply them in the right way and when you practice at them, I think you prepare yourself for that next level or or those qualities that are necessary, right? Strength, conditioning, you know, uh, these are all things that you kind of work at and then all of a sudden you can run that half marathon or run it differently to run that marathon. And I think, you know, this this quality of gravitas is something similar, right? It's like that executive, a bit of executive presence, a bit of that leadership, a bit of that humbleness, uh, a bit of, you know, setting the ego aside, all of these things. And when used in the right combination, all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, you, it's not hard to run that half marathon because all you're going to do is shift a little bit consciously, specifically, right? Intentionally, you're going to shift your training a little bit to be able to accomplish this thing. And so that's, and just like, you know, somebody who's never really run a half marathon and they're gonna try it, they are likely to fail because they don't have the right training for it. But, you know, it's it's that intentionalness of um, wanting to achieve this goal is what kind of, you know, puts you on the right path. At least that's what, that's how I've maybe viewed my journey a bit. And Mark, I love, I love that. I actually like your running analogy because I think the same thing too, like, it shows you can actually build up to have gravitas and learn, right? And it's a journey. You start small, just like you don't go out one day having never run and run a marathon. Um, you start with shorter distances. You you grow and you and you, you learn and you um, act that way. You practice pacing. You practice doing things in slower distances. Build up. I think same thing with gravitas is. I think it's not the important thing. Is not something you don't have it or not have it. It's actually something I do think over time you can learn um, and you can help mentor people to learn how to have gravitas and it's it's dealing first with smaller issues and then over time like i said growing bigger and bigger up to that to your point marathon that kind of i really do like that running analogy and you know i run too so <laughs> great point yeah there's there's another comment in there and i think i think it does connect in um i think rakesh mentioned something about change management and timing um you know and i think in general what i'm hearing um is is how much um of a, resiliency is necessary um, and how you express that resiliency um, to be a successful leader um, and have that gravitas and capability to to move forward in these sort of and, and, and adapt in these sort of situations that may arise. Um, and I agree to I think, you know, when we saw the pandemic, we saw a significant change, right? And we saw a lot of different ways that people like some people adapted well to that, some organizations adapted well to that, some did not. Yeah, these are all really fantastic comments and, you know, I definitely am appreciative and I, I am not a runner. It's not, not my, not my jam, but I really think it's a fantastic analogy. I think, you know, back to, to Mark, it's just a really great way of framing. And I think a really important point that's coming out is, oh, you know, and being reinforced in all of this is 
these are things that we learn. And I, you know, I was talking even with a few folks this week about, you know, you don't just wake up one day to the point where you don't wake up one day and decide to go run a marathon. You can decide that we will probably not be successful because you will not have had the training or practice to get there to be prepared for that. In the same way, you know, every single part of our leadership journey, including executive presence, including establishing gravitas takes practice. It takes experience. It takes us going through, you know, number one, Mark, your point of understanding even maybe how we're perceived by others in a way that we might be, you know, having opportunities or stepping into opportunities because someone else perceives strengths of ours that we may not have seen or acknowledged, but equally that we, we make the intention, intentional awareness of we're all learning and we're all on this journey. And I remind my teams frequently that we're all on a journey of learning. And I'm always learning new things every single day that contribute to how I show up and how I embody gravitas and what that means for me. And that will only ever continue to get better as I am more intentional with, well, again, my own self-awareness, where I can grow and learning from others and the practice of that. And I want to kind of take us into a couple of the other attributes that we hit on in the list around kind of what gravitas is, which is, you know, really one being around this idea of uh, showing your teeth or, or, or making decisions, right? This idea that we, we called out decisiveness, because I think, Mark, you even hit on this, was you know, there's also an element of, you know, how do you move a team forward and make a decision? But equally, and, and way back, so Lexus, your point on ego, how do you also ensure that although you're speaking with clarity and you're helping teams understand what we're doing next and being decisive, you're not doing that in a, a rushed, hurried, or uninformed way. And this goes back to several comments that were made around listening, paying attention, being in a room, being present, asking questions, and then making decisions. And when we talked about leadership styles way back, we talked about democratic leaders and some of the challenges that some leadership styles have is at some point we as leaders have to show up and part of our gravitas is make those decisions and do it in such a way that it's understood why that decision is being made. It's, it's clear why that decision is being made. And it's clear that it's also informed based on the discussions and how we've engaged our team. And I'm going to hit the second one really quickly. And then I'm happy to open it to the room if there's any additional, you know, uh, aspects to add here or thoughts, which is, you know, equally speaking your truth. And I, I really love this one because I think sometimes, especially in large organizations, there can be an element of at a certain title, uh, I'm no longer going to question you. And I'll be very kind of black and white dramatic about it, but I'm no longer going to question you. Therefore you must know. So to question you might be insubordination. But there's an element of gravitas and executive presence that is very much about speaking your truth and using your voice and asking questions and contributing to a conversation, no matter how senior the person at the table might be. And of course, there's a way of doing this that, that is very much respectful and awareness of the room, EQs the next one we'll hit on, understanding what's happening around you and speaking your truth and speaking up in a way that is collaborative and constructive, but it's really important that we don't lose that, right? It's the idea of standing up for your convictions and sharing your voice, no matter who might be at the table. And I often share this frequently with different team members at different levels, because so often, and this is something that we could talk about even from a lens of, you know, gender diversity or different, you know, different groups as we think about diversity lenses, but empowering folks to share their perspective is really important because often I've, I've done it too. You don't want to ask a question because you assume it, maybe it's a stupid question, but you ask the question anyway. And someone at the table says, I hadn't considered that before. And you have a discussion. So it's those reminders that as we continue to grow in our careers and coach others as well, we always remember that it's important to speak our voice, speak our truth, share our perspective, speak up, you know, even in rooms where we might feel like, you know, we had lower in rank or lower in experience or don't have the same tenure as other folks around us. So I want to pause on those two points of both the decisiveness, clarity, as well as any thoughts on this idea of really, you know, speaking your truth and speaking up. Yeah, I wanted to chime in on decisiveness. I think it's important also to be decisive, but to bring the team along with you. Um, some of the feedback I got um, when I was going through some coaching recently was, you know, Gary always brings the data, makes the right decisions, but he doesn't always bring everybody along with him. And, and for me, it was because I was in a team that 
could debate all day long. So, um, you know, I'm just like, let's cut to it. Let's make the decision. Let's get on with it. But there were, I, I was missing that element of bringing everybody along with me, even though people did acknowledge generally they were the right decisions. They needed more input, I think. So finding that balance and, and making sure people are following you, I think, is important too. And, and I'm curious, Gary, when you said that, because I, I think there's a real there's a real pearl here is what did you actually do differently after recognizing what you weren't maybe doing or how you weren't optimizing that situation? Asking more questions that <clears throat> drove to the data that I already had to help people start thinking about it the way I, I, I was thinking. And then those questions often led to different questions and and maybe a different way of thinking about it. So. Um, you know, it was worthwhile. It was good feedback, I felt, for me. I love that. And I love this idea of asking the right questions. And I think it shows up so much in coaching with clients, especially new clients. They kind of ask for the coach's opinion. And, and the first thing you need to do is say, well, ask the same question back to them. And I think the same goes for solid leadership is people are looking to their leader for answers and that can be the moment when the leader can turn it around and say well actually what do you think and build that as well and i think the second piece that's interesting about decisiveness is the importance of a leader having the skill set to know when a decision needs to be made unilaterally um, when there's time for input and when input needs to happen and then coupling that with the transparency of here's how this decision is going to be made here's why i'm seeking your input um, and whether or not it's going to be factored. I think people deserve to know or else they feel like they're in meetings and they're sharing things and it just it gets lost and then you shut down. So anyways, it's a lot. That that's a really good point, Alexis. I can I can I can really that really resonates with me. How you know there's a there's a time when you know you can really embrace lots of ideas. Maybe you're in brainstorming or whatever, and then there's times when, you know, uh, I think with the person with gravitas knows exactly when to sort of uh, pivot in those situations to not let it go off track, not let the conversation go off track, especially when you're at a point where you really have to start making some decisions and. Uh, and to just have that finesse and that art of knowing when to when to move the audience on. Yeah, I think this, these are all really great points. And what you know, what it's immediately leading me to is the, is the next item that we have because I think what you hit on a lot, Gary, you know, is is bringing people along with you on the journey as you're making a decision is very much also related to the idea of our next next item, which is emotional intelligence, because there's an element of really you know, being decisive and being clear and communicating clearly and making decisions, but also to very much what you said also is bringing people along on the journey means that we also have to practice empathy. We also have to listen. We also have to be present. We also have to be open to you know what's happening in the room around us or what the individuals around us, what they're saying, what they're also not saying, right? So this idea, we talked last week a lot about communication and presenting and reading the room, you know, Gravitas is a really critical part of that is understanding the dynamics of what might be happening around you, the dynamics of your teams, the dynamics of leaders around you, and how do you show up? How are you aware of that? And, you know, I think we've all heard, and I definitely have one of the, the pieces of, you know, that holds the leaders back from really being perceived as having executive presence cue, lacking the ability to, to understand what's going on around them, becoming tone deaf, or not really being aware of office politics or office culture and, and the dynamics. So I would love to know any thoughts on EQ. It's something that comes up quite frequently for the folks I know that I've worked with or been around in different teams. Any thoughts on how, how you've considered EQ, how it's shown up for you, and maybe even how you define it when you think about for yourself and working with your teams? do a definition. I think it's um, being aware of um, affirming and uh, honoring the emotions of yourself and your team while allowing the next. So it's, it's that level of control and it's and empathy is front and center. Yeah, you broke up a little bit there, uh, 
Alexis, we didn't quite hear all of it. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we okay. can hear you. I think emotional intelligence really is about being aware of, honoring and affirming the emotions and the feelings of yourself and your team, uh, and also being able not to let those emotions get in the way of what needs to occur. Um, yeah. Yeah, that 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 that's really an important point, and I, uh, you know, I think again, it's about it's kind of that whole thing about really, and it's listed here, but it's it's about reading the room, right, and and recognizing when you got to know what's going on with the people in the room. You got to be able to pick up on those cues, um, and then also be in touch with your with your own emotions, and and to uh, not let those emotions come out. I, I mean, executive presence is really having your emotions well managed at all times. So like grace under fire, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be, you know, losing your cool or, or whatever you stay calm. You're the one that creates calm for everyone else around you. And I think all of that kind of dovetails into emotional intelligence. Well, and I think, you know, the way Gary sort of described, you know, the decision-making process and there's, there's some of that emotional intelligence that has to be, there for you know to be able to go through something like that um rakesh also mentioned um you know that vulnerability of not um in, in the chat about you know not knowing everything um and and i think it's how that leader pulls people together understands the people how to include them in that decision making process and other things that they're trying to do but um it's all very much connected to each other yeah, and that not knowing everything, you know, is is the part of about uh, what you mentioned earlier, Alexis, about that vulnerability, right? I mean, it's it's not about you know being weak or showing weakness as much as it is just about your credibility. You know, you don't want to BS your way through it, especially when it comes to executive presence. But to be vulnerable in a in a in a diplomatic way, and also you know to be able to to let people, you know, to let people know you don't have all the answers. And again, as coaches, that's one of the things that, you know, we really work on too is, is pulling the answers out of, out of the team. And, you know, we're looking even uh, in the future about like, like probably having like some mastermind um, groups as well, where, you know, you're really relying on the others in the room to help with that knowledge base, with those ideas, with, you know, other other knowledge and experience they may have that they can contribute to whatever problem you're solving or whatever topic you're discussing at the time. I'm curious if there are ever, if, if anyone here can speak to this, if there are really effective executives that they've seen who lack emotional intelligence, because I, I don't see it being able to be separated from any of the, the skills and um, characteristics that you identified, Kelly, but I'm curious if people have seen that. Is the op? Are you talking about success as we are in our clubhouse defining it? Because I've seen leaders without EQ that still are somewhat successful, but their organizations are a bit more disastrous. I would say all of the above, Mark. I think I think any of it, you know, any any insights are great to hear about. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen leaders at at senior level positions that. And again, the job description changes the higher up that you go. And, um, but you know, if we if we take a look at maybe some of those senior executives, I've seen some with maybe lower EQs that you know their style of leadership uh, probably overcompensates a, a bit more on the authoritarian side, um, and their teams. And, and the way that their teams have evolved, maybe respond a bit better to that authoritarian side. Um, but like maybe the innovation might not be there as predominant, you know, as, as part of that culture, right? So there are other aspects of the overall culture that may suffer from that to compensate for that style of leadership that might lack some of the EQ components. I've seen that in a, in a couple of times you know in in the company that i'm at over you know but not very many again it's long-term success and long-term success of that team 
I think there may be some diminished returns there, but it does exist. Yeah, that's that. The, those are great examples, and, and and you're right. Sometimes it's just like one aspect. They they've got executive presence, but maybe they're a little weaker in some areas. And I'll share an, an interesting one that I had recently. And I was uh, it was a CEO I was I was working under, and um, I remember this one specific meeting where she came in, and she was literally almost like leaning almost laying across the table sideways and had her hand you know on her on she had her hand her chin on her hand and just looked like she was uh, she looked like she was probably a little bit upset about something kind of frustrated and it just came across as like I, I think kind of a combination of every one of them was kind of being displayed there I was actually pretty perplexed as to how uh, a CEO would, would would present themselves in a in a in a meeting like that, and it, it was quite shocking. Um, but uh, but again, who knows? I mean, they are they are the CEO, so you know they're they're the top of the they're the top of the rung there. So you know they could probably get away with a little bit more than some of the others can get away with in the room. But you know, eventually that can catch up with you. Um, so I, I have a couple of examples I want to share to kind of give us you know. A little bit more around this. So, so one of them is uh, Tim Mel Melville Ross, who was the CEO of Nationwide, and he experienced a watershed moment in his career where he made a mistake that could have cost him his job, his reputation, or his career. And instead, uh, he it, it provided him an, an excuse me an opportunity to show up in public uh, what he was really made of. Uh, and one of his top, what happened was one of his top directors had proposed a, this real questionable business practice, and it was really all about um, the firm holding its margins in a shrinking economy. And what Tim, you know, learned later was that it really came across as that we tried to screw our customers. That's how he said. He said he admits that, and he made the wrong decision. But then he made the right one. So he ended up firing that director and he made a public apology and he wrote a letter in the London Times, um, one that he closed by inviting readers to write to him personally. And the, re the larger result of his falling on the sword was restoring the faith in nationwide as an organization. And interestingly, in him, and in him personally, it kind of propelled him as a leader. Um, because of the way he dealt with it. He actually established himself um, as a leader with integrity and that reputation has carried him through. So many storms since then, he's been very successful. So his response was to take full ownership and accountability and apologize and, and recognize that he made his mistake and be honest about it. Now on the converse, we have Tony Hayward, who's the CEO of BP and there was this big BP oil that made the news and he seemed to have the public's trust as he had showed himself as being candid about this stumble, like the BP had this dreadful performance. But then he tried to distance himself and the company from blame. And he actually made a comment, um, what the hell did we, did, did we do to deserve this? Wow, right? So, and he made that comment to the BP executives, and then two weeks later, uh, he made a comment to the guard to the Guardian, conveying arrogance rather than confidence, saying the amount of vol the the amount of oil that was spilled um, into the Gulf is tiny in relation to the total volume of water, and that's when the public turned on him. So any chance he had to restore the public opinion or, or apologize, he had squandered at that point. And he ended up making an even worse comment saying, I'd like my life back, which just provoked savage responses. And that went crazy through the news. It was just he completely destroyed his uh, his his reputation. He set fire to his career and it cost him his his job and his reputation. So, you know, here, here were two people that were in this situation of crisis and their responses were very different. So any thoughts around that, these two examples I gave you guys?
but I guess you could just kind of see, you know, from, from listening to them that it's really the way that you respond and it's the way that you communicate and as a, as a leader and, and how you handle the situations. Once again, that, that calm in the storm, you know, being put together, you know, remaining, you know, having that integrity and ha- and building the trust and maintaining the trust as a leader. Um, so I think Kelly's probably in a little bit of a, of a dead zone. Um, Kelly, you still in a dead zone? I think I'm okay. We're going to, we're going to okay. see how it goes, but I think okay, what we'll you go just on hit on right is, yeah, what's, what's nice about what you just hit on those examples, you know, of what not to do often and then what to do is, you know, also we go into kind of this idea of, of right-sizing, but really about your reputation. You know, what do you stand for and how do your actions reinforce what you stand for, right? And these are all the different attributes. Again, how, how broad we can think about the definition of gravitas is really ensuring that you, you are intentional and understand what do you stand for? How do you show up? You know, what is it? You know, when we think about this idea of reputation, we often can connect it to personal brand. And that can be, you know, a lot of work. And personal branding can feel like a job in and of itself, which is you might go through the exercise of doing it for the first time. But as you go through life and have more experiences, as you have, you know, different experiences, even in your career, as you have different goals that, that you, you seek to achieve at different points in your life and career, your personal brand is, is going to evolve with you. And so a, a huge part of really understanding, you know, what do you stand for? And again, do the actions that you are carrying forward really reinforce that, you know, when you enter a room, before you even get into that room, your reputation has arrived, right? People think something of you. I go back to Mark's example of someone saying, we think you're the guy to do this, Mark, and you're surprised by that. This is the reputation. What do people know of you? And I think it's about acknowledging that, understanding that, and embracing it, knowing that you can also take an active role in building and establishing or changing a reputation. So some things, maybe you you made some mistakes and you have to, you know, recraft, you have it, you can do that. You can take that within your control to do that. It will take time and it will take honing that. And it will take relationships and networks and personal board of directors and all these different aspects. But it starts first with understanding what your reputation is. You know, how are you perceived being very, very aware of that? It's self-awareness again, understanding what is the reputation. And we've talked a little bit about this idea of career transitions and it comes up frequently. I've had very much the privilege of a career that has allowed me to shift my career multiple times over and be able to do a lot of different things. And it's been very rewarding. So I talk a lot about this idea of career transitions and how do you make that shift? And a huge part of a career transition means really understanding your reputation, really understanding your brand and honing that to, uh, to support you on, on that next step, whatever that might be. So I'm going to pause. I would love to hear what you think of when you think of reputation. How do you think about your own reputation? Are you tuned in? Do you know how people perceive you? And how have you maybe worked on your reputation to really allow you to have an opportunity to invest in this as part of Gravitas? And then we'll close out with vision and charisma as our last piece. But first, any thoughts on, on reputation? I could jump in because I've had, I think, kind of two two ways that I, I've been very aware of my reputation. I think one of them was um, on the soft-spoken side. Um, I'm generally more of a quiet person. I've had to work um, with a coach and just, and, um, and do my own um, my own work and, and seeking out training to, to work on that and how to get that confidence to build my voice. Um, I also had a reputation on how I led people. Um, but I knew it was the right way. Um, so, uh, to be frank, I, I, I wouldn't say I ignored it, but, um, I stayed on, on the course that I knew, um, was the right way to do it. And I'm going to also, uh, yeah, Chuck, is there anything going on in the back channel you want to share at all? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's quite a bit of, um, a conversation there and I, and I think, um, you know, Rakesh has made some valid points in talking about, you know, the effectiveness of leadership in organizations. And in a lot of ways, um, organizations don't um, reward those that have a high EQ um, or, um, I guess, or I would say punish is the right word, but um, don't hold people accountable who don't. Um, so I think that's kind of a, um, and I think... We, from my experiences that one thing that resonates to me about that is that 
when I've seen people with low EQs running organizations, they come in and they're gone within three to four years. They claim success, um, but they've left a wake of destruction from the people side in their path. Um, and I, I don't know, I mean, the organization I'm in now is, is turning. We're really focusing on things like retention. I think Alexis mentioned that, um, retention and attrition, um, are big things to track now. Um, and when you see certain spikes within certain leaders that raises questions now, but. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's a good point. And I think also just to tag on to that, I think it's important to know also, we've talked about this before in this forum is that. You know, very few organizations invest in people and their success and, you know, whether that's emotional intelligence, whether that's how to lead or leadership styles or all the other things that we've talked about here. And and that's why it's so important. And it's great to have you all here is is that, you know, you are actually doing that for yourself today or that you hire a coach or that you read or you listen to something, you know, that is helping you to hone those skills yourself because it does take work. And I think Mark, you, you always say this. I love the word of consistency. Consistency is what gets you across the finish line. Um, so, uh, you know, let's move into to vision and ca charisma, you know, vision and charisma, you know, you always want to be able to really telegraph that. Right. And great leaders are, you know, brutally optimistic. They're risk takers and they're unwavering, you know, their, their uh, character and their conduct reflects, both their inner and their outer world. They are, you know, uh, they're congruent in what they say and how they behave and what they are in reality. And people feel the weight of the leader, a leader with vision and charisma. And you might reflect back on times when you've had leaders with that, with vision and charisma. Oftentimes CEOs have to really embrace this because they've really got to engage and inspire people to follow and to get on board and to see how, what they do every day is how, how that, CEO's vision is going to be carry a, carried out. So really feeling the weight of the leader uh, uh, with that, with the substance of when they're in their, when their presence is there, you know, that they're well-informed and reasoned, um, having done the hard work, the research, they come in there, they know what they're talking about, or they've got other people there to, to also reinforce what they're talking about. Again, going back to confidence, you know, when they express their views, they're very confident. Their, their convictions, they come across as having really strong convictions and thinking beyond themselves and their needs. You know, once again, we've talked about that today as well. And they act and communicate in a way that really is going to benefit the greater good uh, of the organization, the community or whoever they're talking to. So with this, I want to share, uh, I want to share a little bit about Steve Jobs. We all know who Steve Jobs is, right? So he's synonymous with innovation um, because every product that emerged from Apple during his tenure, it really just demonstrated his commitment to what this beautifully flawless designed product that they supported as intensely pleasurable for the user, right? And he and one of the things about Jobs is he consistently deployed his, his design values, applied them to Apple's hardware, um, software stores, online platforms, every touch point. You know, he was really focused on making sure that that came across. I also think of the mouse oftentimes, you know, Disney, pretty much every entry point, you're going to get the same, you're going to get the same um, experience as a customer. So he really telegraphed simplicity and elegance in his creations, right? Achieving his vision resulted in equal parts of, he had people who didn't like him and he had other people that just revered him. And he was a perfectionist. And he was cap but he was capable of compromise, but he leaned on his teams really heavily to, to rework. So back when he was creating the uh, first iPhone, um, even with the launch looming over, you know, he made his team rework and rework and rework that until he had a product that he felt represented what he wanted. And he deemed it to, uh, he may have been deemed um, as, you know, controlling or, or whatever, but um, he wanted to make sure that pe the customer felt comfortable and satisfied by plunking down $500 for a brand new product was that was being, you know, launched by, by Apple. And his brand and vision is flawless. You know, it's it, what his goal was to be functional and min a minimalistic design. And his, these traits served him 
and it made him revered by colleagues and customers the world over. Today, people, everyone knows who Steve Jobs is, you know, and, and even to the point of what he wore, the black turtleneck, the perfectly fitted blue jeans. We all know who Steve Jobs was, but he really was committed to making sure that, you know, his teams knew what he wanted, that they committed to it and that they pr produced this great product. So um, vision and charisma is kind of that last area. Other thoughts around vision and charisma? I'll chime in based on kind of what I even just put in the chat, I think as we're talking about it is, you know, I think when I think about the most charismatic, you know, leaders that I've, I've been around or, or seen speak, you know, often it is very much about inspiration. It's about a vision. It's about what's possible, but it's about what's possible together. So it's possible for, for a collective, for, for a community, for a team. And I think equally the most charismatic leaders as they're communicating that vision are, are really thinking about the idea of also, um, you know, what does it mean to value your team? How do you actually value your team? How do you feel everyone feels seen, feel important, feel involved? And I think that's what really differentiates a charismatic leader. And I'll, I'll just give one example, which is I talked about a really, really big project that I was working on. And when we kind of got over the finish line, there was a lot of people that contributed to it. It was like most great things, a team effort. And the, the leader that I work with, the first, first thing that he said coming out of this, this moment was, it went great. And thank you to all of you that that is the only reason that this is possible. And all of the, 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 everything he said going forward was about recognition of the team, about appreciation of the team. And I think it was a really important moment. And again, someone that I actually, you know, deem, you know, consider very charismatic as a leader, but really again, made his team feel very seen, very valued and very important in a moment that also was very inspiring. Yeah, yeah, Kelly, thank you for, for, for bringing that because you're right, you know, it, it's really about inspiring people to want to get on board and to and to go in the same direction as you as a leader. So that's a really, really good point. Um, so um, as we're getting to the close here, I, I just want to mention a couple of minor contributors before I close this out. So just a couple things to think of as well that comes with executive pre presence and, and also gravitas is really correct spelling, punctuation, you know, emails are well-formed, they're personable, they don't waste time. Um, and people kind of take this piece for granted as well, like that, like if your car, your car is cleaned and well-maintained, like if you take somebody into your car, that's also a representation of you. Somebody comes into your office space, it's organized, it's attractive. The choice of pictures you have in that in that office represents and sends a message of who you are. Your voicemails are clear and professional. Your social media is thoughtful. Um, you know, it, it's it's attention to appearance that demonstrates excellence in, in professionalism over fashion. It's not about you're wearing a suit or whatever. It's it's how you make the most of what you have. So these are just a few little things I wanted to plant the seeds so you can think about those things because it goes far beyond walking into a room and talking to people. But it, it it's really you know everything about you and everything around you. So um, as we close out, you know just just you know not all leaders have gravitas, but all should aspire to it. And those with gravitas help us to see and seize the opportunity and encourage us to lead. Um, in difficult situations and in really in crisis. And we seek them out for guidance, not because they appear to be smarter or more skilled, but because they have humbly proven that they have become such through commitment and hard work. And so, you know, I think somebody said something earlier, which is really important to remember. If you, if you don't have gravitas, you can learn it. It's not something that people just inherently have. You just have to work at it. And, and continue to to hone it to start with one thing you don't have to you don't have to be perfect and, and accomplish everything all at once but if you just start somewhere you're on you're on your the, the way you're on your way um, so the quote I'm going to close this out with today is from Jim Elliott wherever you are be all there and then from a charismatic or a visionary perspective I have to throw this one in this is by the Duke of Wellington Napoleon's presence on the field made the difference for 40 thousand men. So on that note, 
Um, have a great weekend. Um, Kelly's going on vacation. We're going to be having a leadership interview next week. We might uh, mix up our format to um, offer some maybe hot seat stuff for people. Think about if you have any challenges or anybody else that you know around you that might be having challenges because what we want to do is maybe do a little bit of masterminding slash coaching, give people the opportunity to get some free services here. So think about that in the coming weeks. And one last thing, uh, we are going to be posting a resource, which is an executive presence self-evaluation on Substack. So you'll be able to go over there and take a look at that and assess yourself if you're interested or have somebody else assess them themselves. All right, you guys. Well, thank you again for being here. We really appreciated the engagement and the dialogue. And go out and have a great week, and we'll see you back next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, thank Bye, you. Everyone.